What's going on, drinking buddies? Brand new podcast coming right at you, but real quick, we got a couple things we want to talk about before we get into this week's episode. First and foremost, want to talk to you about the video versions of this podcast. That's right. Experience the madness in full HD on Vimeo at awd.net slash videos. They're 99 cents an episode or $6 a month gets you unlimited episodes. There's currently 102 video versions. So that's a pretty decent value for $6 a month or download individual episodes for 99 cents a piece. Once again, that is awd.net slash videos. I also want to talk to you guys about my Twitch stream. Since the pandemic started, I've been Twitch streaming. I'm playing four nights a week right now. I'm mostly playing XCOM 2 and Among Us. Come hang out at twitch.tv slash Slayer. And if you have Amazon Prime, do me a huge solid. Give me a Prime sub. Every little bit helps out. Once again, that is at twitch.tv slash Slayer. And that's going to do it for the sponsors this week, guys. My guest this week is adult performer Barbie Crystal. Barbie's absolutely amazing. I met Barbie playing Among Us for the Suede streams on Fridays. She talks about where she wants to travel to, buying a boat. She's going to go live on a boat. It's awesome. And just, you know, general shenanigans throughout the whole episode. Without further ado, let's get on with it. Sit back, relax, pop a cold one, and enjoy, drinking buddies. Crystal, how the hell are you? Hi, I'm doing great. <laughs> Long time no see. Actually, I almost rarely ever actually see you. I just hear you all the time. <laughs> right? <laughs> we play Among Us. <laughs> this actually may be the first time that we've actually seen each other face to face. It is so true. I always like picture you, and it, you actually look like how I picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm living up to whatever those expectations are. <laughs> I take for granted that, like, oh, yeah. Half the people that play Among Us with us have never actually met me or seen me, even though I'm streaming it every week. Right. <laughs> and it's like, I've, you know, we follow each other on social media, so it's like, oh, I know what you look like, but I, I've never actually, like, you know, seen your face talk and, like, be real. Right? It's really different. <laughs> yeah, it's like, real life-ish. I mean, it's still not real, real life. You know, it's still camera and video. and <laughs> right. But it's much closer than... You being a little you know, space person trying to murder me. Right. Little pink suit. Just, <laughs> oh my gosh. And like, don't, audience, audio, video, whatever, however you're consuming this, don't let Barbie's appearance fool you. She is a murderer. She is cold-blooded. <laughs> it's so true. I'll be on the screen like so serious when I'm playing. <laughs> like, I really do. I go. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, Barbie's so, like, everyone's like, oh, Barbie's so sweet. Just, <laughs> just shank you and like just keep walking like nothing happened <laughs> right. i've been learning how to like go by really fast and then point a finger like oh yeah that was that was the, i saw them pass by <laughs> oh yeah no uh, my uh my regulars were 100 commenting that you pulled a run by on me like a couple, probably about a month ago like it was just outside of electrical and you just boop 
kept going. I'm like, <laughs> damn, she has learned quick. Right? <laughs> That's the kind of shit I would pull. Like, there were two people, almost an eye shot. She, no fear, just dead. <laughs> it was like the perfect time. <laughs> oh, yeah, because if I remember correctly, someone else got blamed for it. Right? I, I was, like, quiet. I was like... Okay. <laughs> I saw nine tails come from the lower engine or something like that. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so for those of you who are somehow unfamiliar, every Friday we play Among Us, which is a very popular game if you've been living under a rock or some shit. We raise money for Suede Vegas. You know, we got we're doing our yeah. doing our part helping charity out. All right. It always touches my heart at the end of it when everybody says like how much money they made. You know, like you'd be so focused on the game and not winning. But then when at the end of it, like, you know, you came out as a sore loser. You really don't care anymore because you're like you're helping people because of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know I get it. sound like I get a little frustrated when people just throw me <laughs> out sometimes. But like, at the end of the day, I don't really care. So that's just me playing for the camera. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, no, we're, we're raising money for a good cause. Like, that's why I'm here. I really do like that because when I first started playing Among Us, I, w- I was salty then. I was like, everyone, cause, because they don't know me, they all just vote for me off. And I'm like, it's Barbie. It's Barbie. It's Barbie. Like, okay. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're not going to say Barbie no more now. <laughs> <laughs> now it really is Barbie. Now it really is. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing, like, everyone who's playing, like, we're all, you know, not all of us know each other in real life, but, like, we're all friendly, and, like, it's just for fun. Like, I hope no one ever takes it fucking personal. Right. I can tell when we get a little angry. It's like when you're on little kids at the playground, you know, then you finally get cool off. You're like, oh, it was just a game outside. I want to win, but it was still just a game. (laughs) Anyone who's listening, please swing by on a Friday on my Twitch stream, or Xander Corvus's, or if Cody's there, Cody Vore's streaming it, we're all... Raising money. We're having a lot of fun with it. A lot of fun. It, it, right. It's a good group for a good cause. But, Barbie, what else have you been doing with yourself? I know how you spend your Fridays, but there's other six days of the week. Right? <laughs> um, I guess ever since, like, I guess the pandemic, I really don't have, like, a set sleep schedule anymore. But I, somehow I still get stuff done. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> right. Like, I was out of bed before noon today because I had a call I had to take. Like, I had a client who's like, oh, can we do noon? I'm like, uh, I guess we can do noon. You're paying. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll get out of bed before noon for you. Fine. <laughs> I like the time works. <laughs> I'll make it work. I have another, <laughs> another client who's like, can you do a recording at 11 a.m. on Friday? I'm like, I yes, I can. Right? <laughs> So are you going to bed at like four or five o'clock in the morning? Like, what's your schedule like? Um, my schedule, yeah, I've definitely been going to sleep around four or five in the morning because I've been on this game called VR Chat. And gosh, like, like it's VR Chat. Like, so you know, you can use the VR, but you can also play it on a computer. I've been waiting for my VR to come in. But I play on a computer. I have like a curved monitor, so it's kind of like just as good as having a VR because I, I can see everything on like on my ultra wide monitor. And on there, like, I have like this favorite avatar, and she was a Pikachu suit. <laughs> I actually ordered a Pikachu so I could be this avatar in real life. <laughs> but like she could dance and she twerks like she really like really twerks <laughs> in, in like in this VR chat. So as we go around, that'd be like so popular. Like, oh my God, how your avatar do that? <laughs> and you, you could also like play games. They also got like a VR um, 
Among Us in there. So like everybody like plays Among Us in there on like, on their VR and like you did this. And actually like I was actually thinking like how the Friday night shows are like with Xander and us, like how we like talk on the audio. And so it's a little bit more intense than like typing. But then in VR chat, it's like so much more intense because people be looking at each other in their avatars. Like it was you. They're like, you know, because they see that like we hold the little things in your hands. You can see people's movements and stuff <laughs> when they make. <laughs> You're like, no, it wasn't me. Like, no, 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 it was you. It's like, whoa, whoa, man. <laughs> I didn't kill nobody. I didn't kill nobody. We're cool. I didn't kill nobody. That, <laughs> that guy over there. Oh, <laughs> it'd be me, so funny. Put <laughs> me in a Among Us game where I can like emote and put hand motions in. Oh, y'all oh my done. God. <laughs> y'all done. Done. Right. <laughs> so you can't see my face because half the time when I'm lying to the fucking stream, I am like, <laughs> I am like, I'm not even fighting back how much I'm smiling about like my complete bullshit. Oh my gosh. I, I think I remember it was one match. Yeah, it was like we was playing on that big map. And then when I had caught you, like I, I it was like so quick that I saw you kill that person. I think Cody was supposed to kill me, but she did it. <laughs> but yeah, that was, fast kills like everything. That, that was one hundred percent Mara. That I'll I'll publicly call Cody Vore out on this. Yes, Cody Vore <laughs> was supposed to kill you. Right. <laughs> I killed someone right in front of you, expecting Cody to like murk you to it. Cody just like walked away. Like, what are you doing, Cody? Still wit witness witness <laughs> wit, wit, witness. I know you haven't killed that way. I know you're not on cooldown. Witness witness. <laughs> okay, meeting. No, Barbie did it. <laughs> All right. Oh gosh, they they be really getting me sometimes. Even like when I be like, see what do you, um what do you call a person that's not the killer? A crewmate. You, crewmate, yeah, crewmate. <laughs> <laughs> that makes so much funny. Like when everybody started pulling fingers at each other, it probably it really do be Xander because he'd be like, "Vote me off, vote me off," <laughs> and I'm just like, "Why do you always do that? It's not you." <laughs> and then like everybody's like pointing fingers at everyone. <laughs> but the thing about it is, he does do it half the time when it is him, and people let him slide. <laughs> I mean, there was a couple times on recent games where he's done that, and it's just like, oh, wow. "No, it was totally Xander," and y'all threw me off. It's true. It makes people like be like, oh my god, I don't want to like just vote somebody off. <laughs> See, the crew I regularly play with is like, any sign of weakness, they will throw you right the hell off. They're like, we'll figure it out later. <laughs> right. <laughs> but tell me more about this virtual chat. Like, I've, not, I've never heard of this. I'm unfamiliar. Oh, yeah, VR chat. I definitely believe VR chat is definitely in the future from what I've seen in it because I used to play it on before VR chat. I used to be. <laughs> It used to be called Second Life. Oh, I know Second Life. Yeah. Wow. Like, that thing was so huge. And I, I used to be a very big fan of it, like, since I was, like, 16. I always was on there. And even around 18, 19, when I was in college, I still played Second Life a lot because it's such, like, an interactive world where you can, like, I was getting paid for lending <laughs> because people, like, make events in Second Life and they need people to host. And, yeah, I used to be a host, actually, in Second Life. For like when people would come and the person want to advertise like the skins and the meshes that they made made for people's avatars and for the wearer and like you know second life pays those people so they also pay the hosts and i was actually getting like some little extra college money for doing that <laughs> that's wild that's right that's awesome that's absolutely wild though i i, I didn't know like, i've never actually logged into second life i'm just aware of what it was or what it is does it still exist yes it still exists See, I, I'm just showing I'm an old here. I'm like, does, <laughs> does Second Life still exist? Are they <laughs> still on so AOL? Like, oh, I'm such an old. Uh, <laughs> Second Life is really old. I remember I used to, like, when I was a little kid, it was just, it was like advertised everywhere, like on the little ads, like everywhere, really. 
Wow. Wow. You just did make me feel old. Like when I was a little kid, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I was out of high school and second life was a thing. Like really <laughs> right? becoming a thing. I'm like, mm, I'm, I'm old. Fuck. <laughs> but with second life, they, they created a different VR version of it. It was called um, Sansar. And I was actually looking so forward to Sansar, but they didn't do, they sold Sansar away because I guess they, people was expecting second life to become VR. But instead, they went and made a different platform called Sansar. And actually, that's something I plan to get into when I do get on Sansar because you can learn a lot from Sansar, even though it's not popular, because they allow you to create worlds, that you create people, and they have like more platforms for building. Because it's kind of built on Second Life, and Second Life has such a built integration system to making avatars and to creating worlds and creating like um, servers and hosts for us things. Like it's such a huge thing. And, but Sansar then become popular. So now VR chat has popped up. Like it was, it's been around about four or six years, but now VR headsets are becoming more popular because there's going to be increased in technology um, advancement very soon because they've already been unleashing it slowly by slowly, be like all the science channel. But it's kind of expected after we come out of this um, pandemic, there's supposed to be like some great renaissance period. And there's going to be also a big influx in the media and music industry and also going to be like a great influx in technology. It's going to be like after the um, the stock market had crashed initially and the Internet came out and it's supposed to be huge. So VR has a very big part in this world is that humans <laughs> will be interacting with um, virtual reality more. It's going to become a more inbuilt system for school systems, for education, for even work systems, for like even like welfare offices that you can go in and guarantee yourself on these virtual reality places. So they're also very fun too, besides like the advancement that's happening with civilization with it. But it's also very fun like um, to be able to go in and create an avatar because I've seen so many great things and like people will they have they'll make worlds like a little stage in there and people will go in there like tell jokes or sing like where I like I cry <laughs> when I went into this VR world and this guy he was like I don't usually sing but I feel so embarrassed and he he played he strung his guitar so I've been playing my ukulele um back here I've been practicing because I want to go on VR chat and show off my music too <laughs> it's so amazing and people sing on there and do karaoke and you can like travel to other worlds. Like it's like, you know, you get your little group of friends. I had like this group of friends that I'd be going on there with. And <laughs> we'd be like, you know, just entertaining each other, like what our voices and what our avatars. And you can go like to like dance nightclubs, to like um, shooting game simulations, to zombie simulations, um, create your own personal worlds where your friends could come out, hang out. Because a lot of people, you know, they got the big bulky headsets on and they're, you know, they're just, I have like my PS, PSVR, <laughs> I can show you, but, um, oh, it's right here. But, you know, got the, like the big bulky headsets on <laughs> and they're just, they're just chilling out, hanging out like for hours, like regularly. And well, that that's so wild. I, I don't know. Can you like, does your avatar have to be like humanoid or can you just like make your avatar whatever the hell you want? You can make it whatever the hell you want. Like you can be a little small kitten. I used to be an alien when I first came out. I was like this little gray alien because <laughs> I love alien ETs because I, you know, I do believe in that stuff. But <laughs> this little gray alien walking around <laughs> and then I it changed into like the Pikachu avatar. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, so speaking of aliens, what do you think about like the government releasing all that UFO stuff? Oh, I actually did see that. Um, that, you know, like, you know, it's kind of like going deep. Like, it's not, it's not really conspiracy theory anymore. It's kind of like very more like widely known that, you know, a government does, 
it naturally works for them that they're in communication with extraterrestrials. Like that's kind of been pretty evidenced. It's like Roswell. And there's a lot of like FBI documents that do prove that they've been investing millions of dollars into like supernatural um, psych- psychology um, sources, like it's called remote viewing. <laughs> You've ever heard of it? But into those things. So when I see this with like, with the new, like about like the, the UFOs and the lights in the sky, it's just they're, I feel like they're now, they're opening up. I feel like they're choosing to reveal this information to society because I believe there's, they have full control over media. They wouldn't be the government if they didn't. <laughs> like, so I feel like they're choosing to release the stuff about, you know, about these, um, <laughs> these certain like extraterrestrial knowledge because I feel like with the advancement ton- technology and the exploration of like outer space, naturally these things will become released because as a civilization, humans can't handle too much information at once because we're so focused on the wrong things. <laughs> well, and we're, we as a species are really weird. We're really adaptive, but we're also really stuck in our ways. Like, yeah. I, and how many antiquated things do we still do in society? How many traditions have we done that they've been doing for hundreds of years just because this is how we've always done it. But like when we're forced to adapt, we do adapt pretty well. But if we're not forced to, we're just like, oh yeah, we don't eat fish on Fridays or we don't eat meat on Fridays. Right. And which is, you know, a political thing from hundreds of years ago because the fishmongers wanted a way to be able to sell more fish. Right. It's like we're put, we're kind of like stuck in this fixed ratio instead of being focused on expansion and growth. Everyone is stuck in everybody's growth based on how they're interacting with each other's civilization, civilization what goes from my parents to our workplaces, to our schools, to our governments, to, um, you know, our environments. Everything is such a control ratio when it should be focused on growth and expansion. Yeah, but unfortunately, growth and expansion doesn't uh, benefit those who make decisions in a lot of cases. Right. Equality doesn't benefit, you know, the 1%. The doesn't benefit the rich, doesn't benefit the people making choices. So in a lot of cases have no real desire. How interesting. Yeah. Everyone's expanding and there's more opportunities. That's less wealth for other people to hoard. Right. Almost sounds intentional. (laughs) Uh, Maybe, maybe, might be. (laughs) 2020 though, it just shows how wild of a year it was when they're like, aliens are real y'all. And everyone's just like, that's cool. So much more going on. Like, oh yeah, we don't, We'll deal with that later. I feel like a very p- big part when it comes to extraterrestrial knowledge is what do you do with that? Why do I need to read this? How does this benefit me? What do I do with it? Is it something that I am not incapable of changing? Like, what are they doing? Well, like, I don't know. At least in my opinion, like, it's interesting. It, if it's just a distraction, that's fine. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to be able to do shit about an extraterrestrial race who wants to come down here and wipe us out or be friendly or anything like that's all above my pay grade, but it's still interesting to read about. It was very interesting. I feel like from like, I've read so much and understood so much about these extraterrestrial beings or like everything that everyone has dropped on about them. And it really does feel like a big distraction. It's not like it's not, it could be like a case that that is true or not, but it doesn't really matter. It's about, what are you doing in your civilization to change it? Because 
extraterrestrials where they're doing bad things, doing good things, controlling, not controlling, existing or not existing. At the point, it still comes down to you. Who are you and what are you doing in this civilization? Like they can live in our world, but we're also just a responsible piece for our world and what's happening in it as well. So we can't really focus on aliens. Like, look, there go the aliens. They're doing this and doing that. Like, you keep it, you know, you know about it. But at the end of the day, it's about you and who you're seeing around you and who you're impacting, who you're changing there. So, you know. I agree. I mean, that's part of the reason, like, I don't really care about most conspiracy theories. Because even if they were true, which in a lot of cases I don't believe they are, that shit's all way above my pay grade. <laughs> and I'm not going to do shit about it. Like, right. if the, like, I enjoy science fiction. So, you know, reading stuff about aliens is the same sort of distraction as, like, watching a science fiction movie or some shit like that. It's something I personally right. enjoy, but I'm not, like, emotionally invested in it. Right. So, like, these other conspiracy theories that I got no fucking interest in. I, I'm, if they're real, like, Oh, that's horrible. I'm not going to do shit about it because it's above my pay grade. Right. So why am I, I going to devote time and energy to it? I feel like that's a really good perspective, like for you and like for probably really even like people those that believe aliens should have, because we get like so caught up in other people's stories that we don't tend to look at our own. And when I listen to these conspiracy theorists, like I see them as storytellers. And, you know, they have some stuff that makes some evidence that sounds right. Then a lot of it, you know, don't, don't sound right. You'd be like, I don't agree with that. <laughs> and you take pieces from each of them. And so I was going this. <laughs> you take pieces, like, from each thing and everything that they say. And you can just choose to, like, learn about it. It's kind of just learning about the royal family, for example. You know, like, learn about what Elizabeth business, like, what she did and all this stuff. Be like, well, in a day, I can't do nothing but what Elizabeth going to do. <laughs> nope. But I can choose to come home to my family and teach them how I want them to be focused on peace, focused on creating our, our world and our civilization, how to interact with each other and how to prosper our lives. Because we're here to experience life. We're not really here to be digging in everybody's business. <laughs> and that's the one problem that humans got. They want to be in all everybody's business, kind of like what the media has portrayed, being celebrities, being this like, being that. But they because they're so like, okay, what's she doing? What's she doing? Then they're being jealous. Then they're being angry. And then they're fighting. They don't understand why. Because they're going outside of themselves looking. See, what do they call it? Living vicariously. <laughs> yeah. well, the, but the problem is so many people have such shit lives that they need to live vicariously through people that they think have infinitely better lives than them. Because yeah. they just need the distraction from their fucking nine to five that they hate or you know, their unhappy relationship. They need those distractions to fucking go on. Coping mechanisms. Right. They need their various coping mechanisms because a lot of people don't have the desire or drive to make big changes because it's scary. Like, it's much easier to live vicariously through Kim, Kim Kardashian and be like, oh, look how glamorous Kim is. Look at what Kim's wearing. Look at what Kim's doing then. Oh, fucking leaving my deadbeat husband hitting the gym putting on you know and trying to make something of yourself oh interesting oh yeah i got no scientific proof to back this up this is all just matt's opinion like no science needed <laughs> you heard it here folks you heard it here folks barbie says no science needed we will continue on with the lack of science here <laughs> 
Barbie is our experts. We're going with it. Right? <laughs> but I mean, that's just my opinion. Like the amount of people I've met in my life that like are living for their families. Like, oh, hey, I don't want to leave my hometown because my, my family's here. My parents are here. I don't, I'm not really happy here, but my comfort zone's here, even if it's unhealthy. I mean, I'm sure you've met people like that too in your life. Yeah, probably most of them, to be honest. I've seen so many people that's been unhappy with the life that they feel like they've been given or brought into. So they feel obligated to stay with it for the sake of other people or don't even have to be other people. It could be things. It could be like, I bought all this stuff. I put so much energy. I worked so hard that they don't want to leave behind what they've done in the past. That's kind of a big thing. That's something like I've been going through and like, I'm still like in the process. I call it like my spiritual dirty, but it's kind of like very physical, but <laughs> kind of like, and I go to like try to explain stuff to um, society that likes media all the time. They'll take it differently. But anyway, <laughs> but I've been in a process of like changing my life to create the version that I wanted. I feel like, you know, as a black woman and being young and being given certain things along my path that I didn't really want, I feel like I had to be stuck with them even though I felt unhappy with it. So I started to cope with them. I start like, you know, you know it's bad, but it helps you get through it. But eventually coping is like came to a stop at that point. It's like you couldn't even live with it anymore. So I was like, what do I do from here on? I no longer want to suffer because I believe suffering is an act of choice. So what is the choice that I can make to now no longer suffer, to no longer be put up with what I've been given? And it really took me to be willing to let it all go and start over. And like in this home that I'm in now, I'm actually in the process of moving and I'm actually in the process of buying a sailboat. So a sailboat has like a nice house cabin underneath. And the one that I have that I'm getting has enough room for a bed and um, for like a sitting area and stuff. And that's going to be like my temporary base. But because um, I, I have this expedition that I really want to do, I want to sail the seas because Maybe because I'm born from Miami and I've been, I was pulled away from Miami at the age of five. And I just keep thinking of the beach, the beach, the beach, the ocean waves, being singing songs, playing my ukulele. Because also, like, I sing too. Like, I've been doing opera singing and I've been just wanting to go to the ocean to sing and, like, do, like, little fires and invite people and influence a lot of, like, good spiritual healing and stuff. And I was like, how do I do that? Because I'm in Las Vegas. I'm in the middle of the desert. And I'm like, <laughs> I have to be willing to leave this place in order to have that version of the reality that I want. So it kind of goes into what I've been given, like my money, my finances, my social life, my contacts, me. And a lot of it tied me down here to Vegas, but it wasn't benefiting me. So I'm like, why am I staying with something that's not benefiting me? It's helping me just get over the hill, but it's not taking me like where I really want to be, expressing like any emotions, seeing a lot of adventure, seeing things i never seen. Why does it have to be just a vacation for Christmas or for spring break? Why can't it just be every day of my life? Why can't I be free and not have to be a millionaire in order to do it? <laughs> I, I mean, that's a choice. It, it, obviously, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Like, I think people idealize being a millionaire or being wealthy as being able to do what they want and not have to make sacrifices to do it. Mm -hmm. That's why they idealize it. Where you're doing it the right way. You're like, oh, this is going to lead to overall happiness. So I may be a little uncomfortable doing it. I may not have everything I want, but if 
that's going to make you more happy. Fucking more power to you on that. Right. More people should pursue that shit. Like, when are you planning to go? Like, when? where are you going to go? Like, tell me more <laughs> about this adventure. Yes, like, so tomorrow I'm flying out to Washington because I'm going to see a friend because I've been, like, so stuck aside with COVID. And I finally, I took the time to open up to love. I went through a healing. So I'm going to see her. And after seeing her, I'm going to L.A. because I'm doing a shoot there in L.A. And L.A. is a perfect place to go boat hunting. So I already got my money, like, put in place for how much I would need for a sailboat. And so when I go to L.A., there's, like, a different areas that's near L.A. that I plan to um, Uber out. Or I might find somebody to drive me out there instead. And, yeah, I'm going to probably drop down, like, that $6,000 to $10,000 for that sailboat. And... Um, I've been actually doing my boat ad. I'm actually almost done with my boat ad course because you have to do three hours of this boat training online and you get your little certification card and that's it. You can, you're free to drive. I was like, is that easy? <laughs> well, I guess they figured there's a lot less pedestrians to hit in the water. Yeah. It's not like, not like a car where you got yeah, like the, the traffic. Yeah. yeah. Like you just go, he's got the sea. <laughs> he's a, Cause we know where you can mess up. <laughs> Unless you hit something. <laughs> or rough water. Like, you know, that's one thing that oh, most, yeah. most cases you don't have to worry about is the road fucking coming up and knocking your car over. <laughs> you don't want to go in too much trouble waters. <laughs> stay stay on the edge. <laughs> but that's awesome. So you, how long are you looking to, like, be out at sea at a time? Um, and within after this month, like, after at the end of April, summer between, like, I plan to get my boat somewhere between, like, the 11th. And this week, you know, and then I'm going to come back and then I have to pack up everything in this home because this home is big. This home was too big for me. It was two story, two bedroom, I think 3.5, no, three bathrooms. Like one down here, two down and down there in this very large, spacious living room. And it was nice, but it's too much for me alone for someone who doesn't have a boyfriend who's like single forever. <laughs> Has no friends that come over. Aww. Just a mess that makes it really hard to clean up. And when I look outside the window, I was thinking, when would I go see the beach? <laughs> but so like when I come back, I plan to pack up everything and I'm going to move all my stuff into a storage unit that'll be near um the pier where my boat will be docked at. Because they have a like a lot of nice piers in LA. Um, where like they provide like you know the bathrooms, restaurants, foods for you, showers like like it's like a, it's like a, like a, a apartment, but your boat is your place. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, and there are plenty of people that live in the marina like on boats and shit. Like, yeah, it sounds so exciting. Like to just be able to just walk out and see the ocean, or just pull away and go take a bath in the ocean. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, so why why single forever? Why why single forever? Um, I, I'm open, but it's just like, nobody, like, <laughs> it just never happens. I don't know what it is. <laughs> like, I, I'm usually like, so very sweet and kind. I am pretty. I am fertile. <laughs> well, that might be scaring some of them off. Like, whoa, she's fertile. Whoa, breaks, 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 breaks. Like, I'd like to practice, but whoa, full on fertility. <laughs> Right? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Like, you know, most people don't bring up fertility until at least the second date. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, I guess, like, I, I'm, like, a big observer. I always watch people. I guess maybe, like, I just 
seen like the awful fruit set free of the guys. I don't know. Maybe I haven't explored enough. And maybe that's what this journey on this boat may be for to explore and finally meet different people. Instead of like being like, I feel like when we live in certain cities for so long, we like live in a certain pool of people. And we be in this pool long enough, we can know that what is there is not what we're <laughs> was what there for us. That's kind of what happened here in Vegas. Like the pool here is more filled with like when people come, they're tourists, they come and go. So a lot of people that you do meet, they're not trying to make bonds. They're just trying to have fun and go back home to where their bonds are actually are. And a lot of the people that do also live here in Vegas, they're just so put up with the party life and the strips so they stay home and there's nowhere to go but the desert. So it kind of just feels like a small country town all over again, like where I came from. When I was in Georgia, I was in a small town where there was literally nothing. We didn't have Uber. We didn't have Starbucks. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> How do you not have a Starbucks? I thought everywhere has a Starbucks. That that must have been a small fucking town shit. Very, very small town. <laughs> and uh, I remember, I, I, I knew it was bad when I first came to Vegas. I'm like, we don't have a Starbucks. They're like, what? <laughs> I was like, is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, like, how do you not have a, uh, like, I can understand not having two, but not having a yeah. uh, Starbucks? That's that's so wild. But on your points on Vegas, I 100% agree with you. I lived there for three years. Wow, yeah. Like, I lived up in Summerlin for three years. I'm like. It wasn't for me for a lot of those reasons. It's just like either people are there to party or they're transient. Like, you know, they're just like, I moved to Vegas. Oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And then they're just gone. Or people that lived in Vegas, like for some length of time, would be kind of cliquish or homebodies because they expect you to be transient. Yeah. Huh. That's so true. But I came here looking to make bonds and create and stuff. And like, oh, it's not what this is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, like, adult industry wise i moved there in 2011 and i was there until 2014 and i moved there because a director told me that like they're opening a studio in vegas and the whole industry was moving to vegas so you know we're just going to be ahead of the game it wasn't until years after i left that people really started moving to vegas like there were some performers but like it was mostly more older performers that had families and shit like that that were and like that's cool but i'm also a single dude who's not like looking to party with people's families all the time. Right. So I made the move to LA. I love it here. Wow. But it is infinitely more expensive. I'll be in a boat. Yeah, you'll be in a <laughs> boat. I mean, you'll be fine. You don't have to pay, like, my ridiculous Hollywood rent. That's something, like, I was, like, really considering, too, because, like, I remember when I first, like, when I was looking at the map to move, and I was just looking, I first looked at LA, but I was like, oh, no, that's expensive. <laughs> so I chose Vegas because it was cheaper. And I'm like, I just can just go, but it's still not that easy just to travel two, three hours just to get to LA, just like that. You know, it's just different when you can take like 15, 20 minutes to go where you want. Well, you're not getting anywhere in 15 minutes. Come on. It's LA. <laughs> like, you're lucky if you're getting from the marina to like the grocery store in 15 minutes. Come on. Right. <laughs> that is one of the things I do miss about Vegas is like, oh, you can pretty much uh, get across town in 30 minutes. Well, yeah. As long as you're not going to the strip. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. You just got to <laughs> always see the Uber drivers like going around it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was like, I lived in Summerlin. A bunch of my friends lived in Henderson. It's like, oh, okay. I'm going to go right around the fucking strip and be there in no time. <laughs> well, so it takes longer to go anywhere in LA. Oh, yeah. I mean, traffic's just, the city is not laid out well and everyone drives. I mean, we'll see how it is post pandemic. Because, you know, the city's on a decline for population. People have been bailing town left and right. Oh, wow, yeah. 
Because I was just thinking about what it had on Twitter. Like, you remember the show, like, the people, like, at Miami, Miami Beach? It was, like, last week where, you know, they said that you no longer, because of the vaccine, you didn't have to wear a mask or something. And then they set a curfew down for people. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's... <laughs> But it kind of like gives you a glimpse of what it's going to be like when, I guess, when stuff does open up again, that people are going to probably be so, like, built on traveling. Like, there's only one they're going to group up. There's going to be so much. And probably because of what L.A. is, there probably really will be a lot of traffic. It's very interesting. Oh, yeah. Once, like, it's safe to do stuff again. Oh, yeah. Traffic's going to be a nightmare. It's It's going to be crazy. Even with the vaccines, I'm sure some people are still going to get sick. It's I mean, we're getting close to getting out of the woods, but we are far from it. Right. I am. I am personally lo- really looking forward to the point where I can start having you know sex with strangers in bar bathrooms again. <laughs> right. Like, like or the sex clubs. Hey. Right, sex clubs, like, oh, hey, we're both at a bar. Like, you're cute. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey. hey. Yeah. <laughs> Shit happens sometimes. Right. That is so true because now, like, when you wear the mask, you'd be like, like, you know, you try to see. Well, that's the thing, like, even going out, like, I'm, um, Penny was actually in town this weekend. And, uh, Penny Suicide, who also plays Among Us with us. Oh, yeah, Penny. Yeah. She is your, your biggest fan. Like, like, don't vote for Barbie. Like, I watched Barbie murder someone. Can't vote for Barbie. (laughs) So, Penny and I went and uh, grabbed a drink. At a bar, like out on a patio, Saturday night, and it's just like it's such a different vibe because it's like normally if I would be at a bar, I would be socializing with strangers at the bar and like not just hanging out with the person I showed up there with. I'm not saying I didn't have a good time hanging out with Penny, but it's just like that is the only person the both of us interacted with. We're in a public place, oh. but we're not interacting with anybody else in that environment. Well, that's like really huge because like you're living like in your own little bubble outside of everyone else. Yeah, and I, I'm hoping that is goes back to more normal where it's like, okay, it's okay to socialize with strangers again. It's safe to socialize with strangers again. Right. It kind of really makes me wonder, like, hope it's like really doesn't impact our civilization too harsh that we make it difficult to communicate with each other. I mean, we were already on the decline there, in my opinion. I, smartphones are the best and worst thing that has ever happened to humanity. Yeah. Just. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like. How many people have you interacted with, like, that can't hold a conversation? That, like, every 30 seconds is, yeah. it's like, hey, I, I, I'm right here. How's it going? Well, I, yeah. <laughs> how you doing? Hi. Do you want me to text you? Would that be better? Like, <laughs> so, I've heard that so many times. <laughs> see, I'm a dick. I actually will text someone at the table with me if they're looking at their phone too much. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, <laughs> yo. What's going on? How's things? Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm here to hang out with you, not hang out with your phone. I also, from people who know me in real life, have been hyper guilty of doing it too. So I'm a hypocrite here. Or maybe just a junkie. I don't know what. It might be both. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I put in effort, damn it. Sometimes. Back to your boat. Like, that, that's so oh, awesome. Yeah. Like, that, that's not something like you hear every fucking day. We're like, yep, gonna go live on a boat. <laughs> right? It really just came really hard to me because I was like looking around my place, not really like forever. Like I've been redecor- redecorating, and I was like, oh, I just don't feel happy here. What do I do? <laughs> but that's amazing that you're willing to like just be like, fuck it. 
I'm going to try something else that makes me happy. And if it works, awesome. If it doesn't work, you're like, I'll do something else. That is exactly how I, I really do feel about it because that's kind of like the same feeling that I came when I came here to Vegas. Like when I was in my small country town, it was very instant. I was like, I'm going to move and I chose Vegas because I was there. I was like, I was there. I like it. I'm, I'm going to move there. And I literally, I literally gave everything away and I bought, we bought everything when I got here. And kind of like, just kind of like happened again. I was like, dang, we're here again. Well, let's do it. Cause that's the point of like experimenting till you find what makes you happy. <laughs> I agree. I agree. And it's also really awesome that you're like, yep, material things are just things. Like at the end of the day, none of us are taking the shit with us. So <laughs> it may bring you momentary happiness, but at the end of the day, does it really fucking matter? Right. Like a big part of it, like reopened to me because like, I'm very big on observing perspectives and like, I even observe my own perspectives. Like when I feel like so angry at what I don't have, I'd be ready to throw everything away. But then like when you get comfortable again, you'd be like, Oh no, I can keep everything. And then until you come out of that comfortable at, at some point, like, I guess this is where people have panic attacks or like triggers. <laughs> but for me, it just be like, dang, like move swing. I'm like, <laughs> I want to go do this and that, but I can't. It's because this stuff is holding me down. Like, is the exchange worth it for me to just glow and having big glamorous stuff, big glamorous condo, you know, room to just walk around to do what? Just just make money and play video games. There's some. There has to be something greater than that. I mean, there doesn't have to be if that's what makes you happy. <laughs> if, yeah, that's really all there is to this fucking. Thing, as far as I can tell, is like, yeah, we're none of us are going to be happy 100% of the time. That's fucking impossible. You should be pursuing what you feel is going to bring you closer to consistent happiness than anything else. Like, if hoarding material things and wealth makes you think is going to make you happy, as long as you're not actively harming other people, more power fucking to you. But in my personal experience, it doesn't. I've never been wealthy. Don't, don't get me wrong. I've never been fucking wealthy. <laughs> But I've been upper middle class, and even when I was making forty, fifty thousand dollars more than most of my peers, it didn't particularly make me happy. It was just kind of like, cool, I can afford to do all these things, and all my friends can't. So my choices now are to do them by myself or pay for my friends to come with me. Like, both of those kind of suck because mm -hmm. it, it fucks up the power dynamic. Like, with people's friendships and shit, when I'm like, oh, hey, I'm going to pay for you to go on vacation with me. People get worried about that shit. Yeah. It's like, are you going to be telling me what to do? Or... <laughs> right. And I, I mean, zero expectations too, but like at the point of like, say you and I went on vacation and I'm like, I want to do this. And you're like, oh, but I want to do this. If I paid for everything, you may feel weird about saying, but I want to do this. I don't want to do what you want to do. Even if it's not an intentional thing. Yeah. I can totally like definitely see it because I actually just like, was so funny. Like it parallels like what I just like... Went through yesterday, like with another friend that I'm going to go see. And it was going to have like, you know, she was very excited. You know, she wants to do this. She wants to do this. She wants to do this and do that. And then, you know, I've been like in a state where I have to be true to myself at all times. Like, I get that you paid for this, <laughs> but you didn't pay for me. Right. <laughs> and I'm down to doing things that you want to do on this. But really, when I come here, like... I'm thinking, what do I want to do? So how do we meet eye to eye on that? Instead of you just, you know, being the one writing the interior, <laughs> you know, yeah. I want to write it too. So we have to co-write it together that I want to do this. 
you want to do this that way we can both be satisfied and I think that really took like a big step of me to like to say that too because it's kind of like putting a boundary and speaking up where in places where you feel like you don't have power but you have to realize that you do yeah I I 100% agree but a lot of people aren't willing to take that power they aren't willing to put that boundary down especially if it's someone who they're friendly with and it's someone who's paying their way like yeah uh, unfortunately we come in a society where a lot of people just are like they're afraid to establish boundaries because they're afraid of upsetting the other person that they care about right if upset them they don't want me anymore you know well want or it's just like oh well that person's you know they're paying my way and so nice so i i will just put up with this shit because you know they did such a nice thing for me well it's like <laughs> nah no, that's a very big perspective there. <laughs> but I, I would rather just not put someone in that fucking position. Right. Like, I, I would rather prefer to just keep it cool and, like, go about keeping it on equal footing. Like, do you want to do this thing? I want to do this thing. Let's, you know, no weirdness. Let's figure it out. And, if we're, right. fu- and we're fucking adults. So if we want to do two separate things, we'll go do two separate things and meet up later. Right, yeah. That's, like, very important. Like, that's like the basic, like, everything that I see, like, especially with girls. You know, that's a really big thing, you know, with the followers, you know, follow me, all the girls follow me. Like, that's such a big thing in the sex industry. I'm not going to lie. I've seen it so much. And <laughs> it took me a big part of me to accept that I maybe wouldn't be considered the cool girl because I didn't follow others because of that. You know, because my sex were do like, I'll pay for you, pay for you just to come here. And when you get there, you're like, oh, I'm just a groupie. <laughs> I'm not right. part of it. <laughs> Has that happened a bunch of times or? It's never, I never let it happen to me, but I've seen it with a lot of like the people that I'm around and what just naturally happens. Like they don't, they're not really like during like popular, it's not even really popular girl, just like a girl, she could be like more dominant. So I kind of like see somebody has more like masculine energy. And when I say masculine, I'm not talking about like particularly like the idea of a man. Masculine energy is like to control, to um, make things balance and harmony. But in our civilization, this goes out of balance <laughs> it's kind of like the fundamentals of yin and yang because <laughs> that's really what i believe in but um yeah so a lot of girls like they would take advantage of you because they know that they can like i got the glitz and glams i got the money so they'll take advantage of people that they see who don't and then naturally you know they're not even because i once was a girl like that too like you don't realize that you're being used like a creepy like Kind of like the innocent face, like, oh, oh my gosh, did she invite me to go with her? I'm like, oh, why am I in the corner not doing anything? <laughs> and then eventually you start to see this as a pattern, not just among sex energy, but I will say among females. It's become very normalized, especially like with music, putting down other women, putting down men, putting down everyone. <laughs> like, well, why is our media do that? <laughs> what happens to being equal? Uh, well... I think on some levels, it's like, you know, some people view, like, if I'm putting someone else down, I'm putting myself up. It doesn't make it right, but it, that's the mentality. Power, because they feel like they've been so out of power. I, I, it really just goes in, like, how we all grown up, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, like, hurt people hurt people. Right. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, a lot of, yeah, especially sex industry, like, this is the land of misfit toys. Not everyone who ends up here came from the most ideal living situation growing up. I'm not saying that's like a hard and fast rule, but not everyone came from the healthiest home lives. That's true. I actually think like probably most of everyone, like that's the point of like poverty 
and you know the class is high class and low class and most people are in low class therefore that really does impact their entire life down to decisions to the people they're around to who they become it's amazing like how when you're broke a little bit of money means a fucking lot you definitely get people coming into sex work in this industry where they've never really had any serious amount of money and then all of a sudden they're often young and throwing more money than their parents have ever fucking seen in their lives and given very little guidance on what to do with it. That's not very true. I feel like you're speaking to my soul. <laughs> <laughs> Barbie, I've been around a long time. I, I, hey. <laughs> I've seen some things. <laughs> so, like, you know, that's why you get 21-year-old performers who are, like, spending thousands of dollars on handbags and have nothing in savings because no one's there to guide them and they're making more money than their parents or grandparents ever fucking did. It's just how it is. It's so true. Like, I had, like, recently, because I had a client, and he would recently give me, like, a lot of thousands. It was just gifts. It wasn't for anything. But and when, you was getting, when I was getting, like, all these influx of money, like, this is, like, also when I did my first scenes, and I went viral on Twitter, and everything was just coming at me, like, so fast. And I was getting so much money, and I was doing the right things for the most part when I was traveling, and I was going everywhere and still, like, flying it because i saw all you know a lot of other people like buying like expensive gucci shirts so i'm like i know that gucci shirt like don't even exist anymore right. <laughs> you spent you 10 grand on that what <laughs> but um yeah but i spent money like so fast like it's it's not that i did it irresponsibly but it's still i still do consider it irresponsible because it was so fast like like now i'll be thinking like i could use that ten thousand dollars to go buy me a mini yacht like i'll be happy <laughs> well <laughs> like, you probably did you spend any of that money like on, you know, IRAs, savings, stocks, bonds, like things that like eventually when you're not in as much demand in sex work would still be making you revenue. Did you buy, put a down payment on a rental property that could be making you money down the road? No, probably not. Right? Yeah. No. It's like I didn't have knowledge of that kind of stuff either. Like now I do. And I'm like, dang, I wish I did. Right. But that's the thing. Like, you know, what age did you get into the biz? Um, I started camming at 19. So that's when like my money started happening. And now I'm 23. Yeah. And, you know, and at 19, you probably had no one to give you any fucking guidance on any of this shit, especially camming. You're not even really around other sex workers. Yeah. So that is so true. Like, and it just like comes in and you're like, oh, okay, let's, let's, let's go. I don't know the Waffle House. <laughs> Yeah, that was the thing back then. <laughs> hey, I, I've spent many a many a late night in a Waffle House. I, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Good times. <laughs> oh yeah. Like it pisses me off. Like this is a tangent. We'll get back to like the real talk in a second. But this is a tangent. It pisses me off. Do you know where the nearest fucking Waffle House is? <laughs> right. Do you know where it is? Wait. Do you know where the near, from where we are at? Do you know where the nearest Waffle House is? No. Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, wow. Really? Dang. <laughs> it's like, why the hell are they in Phoenix and not in L.A. or Vegas? Why are they in Phoenix? That is so... I'm like, wow. <laughs> Man, that is pretty far. <laughs> like, there are, like, three of them in, like, the Phoenix area. Like, one in Tempe, one in Phoenix proper, like, one in somewhere around there. But there's, like, three of them in, like, the Phoenix area. I'm like, how the fuck are you going to make it to Arizona and not make it to Nevada or California? What the that fuck, is so Waffle true. House? What the fuck? <laughs> I know y'all making money for that. Come on. Come on. <laughs> I need that right now, COVID or not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, back to the original point. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's no blueprint for, like, especially you said you were in a small country town. Like, you were probably the only sex worker in town, I'm assuming. 
I, I really do feel like I was the only sex worker because when I was like searching, like who the other sex workers, nobody was like down there. Like it was way south. <laughs> yeah. And so you have no one to really give you guidance. You're just, you know, making all this money and correct me if I'm wrong. Like at 19, did you ever think like once it started coming in, it would ever stop? Mm, I never actually, I always worry if like certain people will go away because like certain people like bring in a lot of money, but it, it be kind of, it, it was so unrealistic at first. Like it just became so easy. Like, I don't know, I became so confident about like, I could just get on and make this. I can get on and make that. But it eventually became very tiring to like, it became to, I don't feel like I can anymore, but I'm still going to get on to be proven wrong again. That became like a whole like cycle of his own. And that's like um the negative part, like uh, I see of camming that you, that you come to see is that it's not always riches and glamours right away. Like even for top, I won't even say like top row camels, cause that's not true. But for like other top camels that they do have slow waves. Like, like even like this one girl I used to watch, sometimes she will only make $300 when she's usually making thousands. Like it's just so wild. The system, the algorithm can just change and that influxes your money. So then you're, you're already been so used to being careless. Like it's just like that carelessness just don't stop. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Well, because it's just on the human brain. It's like, oh, it's like this now. It'll always be like this. It's forever young. Yeah, (laughs) like I mean, that's that's almost every aspect of life. Like, I mean, me personally, like I am definitely not in the like the shape I was in in my twenties. Like, I'm fat now. I'm definitely fat (laughs) now. And like, my brain will occasionally write checks that like my physical my physicality definitely can't you know cash anymore. Like. Oh yeah, I could win that fight. I could definitely win that fight. I could not win that fight. I get my <laughs> ass. Fucked. I'd be huffing. Oh my like, god, that's so funny. <laughs> I'd be huffing, puffing, and get my ass beat. But my brain's like, oh no, dude, you used to be able to like handle that shit. You can still do it. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> like we're in a state of flux, but we just don't always fucking accept it. Like, well, yeah. And especially with shit like money, it's just like, oh, I make this much a month. I make this much a month. Like. And just in entertainment in general, let alone sex work, like that's just not how money works. Hell, even if you're a mainstream performer, you're like, oh shit, I was on a sitcom. I was making fucking twenty thousand dollars an episode. Oh, our show got canceled. I'm so identified as this character. I don't work again for five years. Shit well, like yeah. that happens. I've been seeing that like it's like we do the wrong things with money. <laughs> regardless then at the end of it because i do like i was actually just talking about that because i I was talking with another performer about like why is everyone struggling to get to avn because that's what i always see like everyone's struggling 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 when it's supposed to be like such a big event and that's supposed to take everybody up but no we're all just dropping like all our little monies and then when we leave we're broke (laughs) oh yeah i mean there's a reason i didn't go to avn 19 or 20 because it was just like it was too fucking expensive for not enough return on my end. It was, yeah, yeah. 2019 was the first show I'd missed in almost 10 years. Oh, wow, yeah. And it was just like, I could take a real fucking vacation for the same money I spend to be at AVN. Right. Instead, instead of spending this money to work. Because at AVN, I'm working. Even if I'm partying, getting drunk, having a good time, I am still there to work. Like, even right. if it's like being at parties, networking with people, like getting content, I'm there working. It's fun. It's fun work. Don't get me wrong. I love it, but it's work. Yeah, it's still work. Yeah, and you're still expecting to get something in return, and 
come out with empty pockets. Like you're probably missing more. <laughs> right. And like, I would rather spend that same money and go to another country and just get weird. Right. Like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> you, you, you said you traveled a bunch with the money. Where all have you gone? Um, so I spent like all my time traveling in the U.S. and I actually got my passport and I'm just waiting for like everything to go back to normal because the first place I want to go is Tokyo. But oh, yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> I, I've been there twice. It is my happy place. Oh my gosh. My audience, my audience probably just did a collective groan because I talk about Tokyo so fucking much. My whole audience is kind of like, oh, she said fucking Tokyo. Fuck. <laughs> right? She's going to get them started now. She's got to <laughs> fuck. Here we go, guys. Oh Here we fucking go. Here we- <laughs> I love Tokyo. I, I, it is my absolute happy place. Like, oh. the difference between Tokyo and the States is so fucking jarringly different. Culturally, oh. food, just every architecture, everything. It's fucking amazing. Well, it's such a work hard, play hard culture, which I super appreciate. Do you have any dietary restrictions? Oh, no. Like, you will have a great time there. Like, the food's just amazing. But, like, you have to be open to eating weird shit. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I have some friends who are like, I'd love to take you to Tokyo, but you're a vegan or a vegetarian. And, like, I don't know how this is going to work out with you. Like, there's fish and a lot of just broths and like things that look fish like this everywhere. Should, <laughs> should be vegetarian. Like, yeah, you can definitely get away with not eating red meat, but to not like eat straight, like clean vegetarian or vegan, mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to work for you. Cause there's a lot of times we'd roll into restaurants and we have zero idea what we're eating. Like a lot of the menus in Tokyo have pictures on them. Like, no English language, just put pictures on them. And there'd be a lot of us just being like, that, and that, and that. <laughs> Let's just do it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but that's that's the adventure of travel. It's like, okay, I'm here to try your fucking cuisine. My, the first trip there, I was there with my tattoo artist, and he went to fucking McDonald's. He's like, I'm just going to you know, see what the McDonald's is like. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. No. Uh. <laughs> I'm not fucking doing it. Do I, don't, I, don't, I don't care how fucking fresh <laughs> and clean the McDonald's tastes here compared to America. I'm not fucking doing it. I'm not eating a goddamn McDonald's in Tokyo. Did eat a KFC because that's a whole other thing. Right. <laughs> well, like, we were there on Christmas, and it's a big Japanese tradition to eat a KFC on Christmas. Huh. So it's like the only fucking thing open. <laughs> so we, we did eat a KFC on Christmas. That is so interesting. KFC. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a big Christmas meal in Tokyo, in like in Japan. But otherwise, like I'm not eating fucking American fast food. I'll eat Japanese fast food all day. I like I will eat at like weird rice bowls and shit like that. Like even if it's a, a local chain, I'll do that. Oh yeah, like bring me the McDonald's equivalent, like not McDonald's. Right. <laughs> right. Like give me. I'll eat fast food. I mean, I prefer not to, but then there's a lot of rad street food there. Like part mm. of travel for me is I totally judge it by like what kind of meals I can have. Well, did you go to any of the markets? I did not make it to any of the markets because like we wanted to go to the fish market, like the big Tokyo fish market because when we were there in 2016 it was shutting down pretty soon thereafter. But you got to get up at like 5 a.m. and we're drinking till like 5 a.m. most (laughs) nights. Because bars, bars are open. Like Tokyo's, one of the wildest things about Tokyo is the train shut down at like 1.30 in the morning. Oh, wow. But the bars stay open till 5. And then the trains restart at like 5 when the bars close. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so if you're like out drinking at a, you know, in a neighborhood that is not where you're staying, 
either you're leaving kind of early or you are staying out all fucking night because cabs are really fucking expensive. Drinking all night. (laughs) One of the most magical sights I've ever seen in the morning is at 5 o'clock, 5.15 in the morning, the mass exodus from Shinjuku to Shinjuku Station. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) It, It was like a fucking arena worth of people clearing out of the bars into the train station at five o'clock in the morning. I'm just like, holy <laughs> fuck, there's a lot of fucking people. Holy shit. <laughs> That's like how I have an like, experience that. Okay, we're going to drink. We're going to do what the, what the Tokyo's do. <laughs> we're going to drink until the morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the hell, if you want to keep drinking past that, a lot of the karaoke spots are open 24-7 and they serve alcohol. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And... <laughs> I've never done private room karaoke in the States, but doing it in Tokyo was so much fucking fun. Oh, that's like a dream. Like, that's like always like you always see in the anime. It's the karaoke where I was like, oh, I love it. Oh, there's, <laughs> there's footage somewhere on my phone or someone else's phone of like me and two other white guys, very, very drunk at like four o'clock in the morning trying to do ain't nothing but a G thing. <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. You have to see that. <laughs> like, I'm the only one who knows, remotely knows the lyrics. And we were not in time in any way, shape, or form. It was, it's hilarious, but not well, good. I love it. It's not like you're, like you're so free. You are lucky that you're deciding that, like, you want to see the world at fucking 23. Like, I didn't start really traveling until my 30s. Like, I traveled all over the States, but, like, going abroad, I didn't start doing it until my 30s. I really kind of kicked myself for waiting that long. But also, in my 20s, you didn't really have fucking smartphones. So, like, sometimes smartphones are your goddamn savior. Wow, that's so true. Like, I, I know a couple phrases in Japanese, but I definitely don't speak the language. Thankfully, in Tokyo, the, almost all the signage is in English, so you can get around, but not everyone speaks English, so there's a lot of, like, having to Google Translate shit and, you know, gestures and trying to get through and pointing at menus and shit like that. But it's a hard city to navigate without, like, a map app. Fucking just lost. Yeah, I remember seeing, like, I was looking at, like, at the train stations... And like, I don't know, it's just like, well, you there's like lines everywhere, so, you know, you just, on Google Maps, you just see a little, but on, you'll be like, what is this? It's like a whole. Oh, it's a, the world's largest train system, but. Oh, wow. But it is super easy to get around one because, sorry, audience, I know you've heard this a bunch of times. Every station has a letter and number designation. So it's like Shinjuku station is E5 and H15. It's the 15th stop on the H line, the fifth stop on the E line. When you get down on the platforms, it says numbers go up this way, numbers go down that way. So you just got to look on the grid to where you're trying to go. Like, oh, I'm trying to get to C27. Okay, so H intersects with C here at, you know, H and C, H15 and C12. So I take H up to 15, transfer over to the C line, and then take it down or up to where I need to go. Wow. It's super easy. It intimidated the fuck out of me at first, but no, it's really easy to get around on. Like, I didn't know they had, like, it kind of, it really does make sense, but I didn't really know that it was the largest, like, train system. Yep. But that's what you they always take in train. Like, you don't really see nothing else but trains. <laughs> no, like, so Uber's, Uber, when I was there in 2016, was technically there. You could, there were no cars on the app. Like, there were just no cars. Like, you'd fire wow. up the app and, like, there are no cars. Cool. <laughs> Cabs are still a thing, but they're expensive as fuck. And, you know, you just, once you, like, decide to take the trains, you realize they're, they'll take you almost anywhere you want to go, and they're super easy to get around on. 
Wow. Are they cheap too? Uh, they're relatively cheap. Like, so one of the things you can do for about 10 bucks a day is get a 24 hour pass. That is just unlimited rides. Wow. <laughs> that is so cheap. Like, crew, I got to be an old Uber. It's $10 a ride. <laughs> yeah, well, $10 unlimited rides for the whole day. 24 hours unlimited rides. Wow. And it came, like, when we were there in 2016, I, we, there were a couple points where, like, we were hanging out in the neighborhood we were staying in, so we weren't getting the day passes. And it was still, like, four or five bucks to, like, get clear across town. Because the way it works is you get your ticket when you get on, and then you do the ticket at exit, and then it tells you how much you got to pay depending on where you traveled to. So it's not a flat rate. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's really nice because, like, I guess the idea you like what I had going on, I was like, I'm going to be so confused of where to go or how to get there. Yeah, it, it's a really easy to get around, like, and it's safe. Like, it's a safe city. Like, violent crime is not really a thing. It's, I passed out, I mean, blacked out, passed out in a planter at a major station and was fine. I was in and out of consciousness for a couple hours. Hey, aren't guns illegal there? Oh, yeah. Guns are illegal there. Like, uh, you'll go to place? a major station. Like, Shibuya Station is, like, one of the major stations in the city. You'll see hundreds of bikes just unlocked at the station. Like, just people will leave their bike there when they... Unlocked, just there. Wow, that's a different society for well, real. Oh, it's a super different society. <laughs> Hell, our, we were in an Airbnb on the last trip, and my the party lawyer got a little drunk. My audience knows my buddy, the party lawyer, got a little drunk, and he just walked into our. You know, we're there's two units on the flat, like on the floor we we're on. Just walked into our neighbor's unit because his door wasn't locked. He just went into the wrong unit, unlocked door. Could you imagine any American major city? Having your door just unlocked. Oh, um, no. I said it was like the country, but yeah, no. <laughs> right. Like, dumb, you know. Oh, like, oh, city. Oh, Dell. No. no. No, like New York, Chicago. Somebody come by and check. Yeah. New York, LA, <laughs> Chicago, Atlanta. Like, oh, oh, no. No. This is the <laughs> largest city in the world. Wow. This dude just had his apartment unlocked. Wow. That's very interesting. Like, that's how big of an impact they have on, on their society. Wow, kind of like when you look at it, like in comparison to the United States, you're like, damn, they make us look like a joke. <laughs> oh, yeah, and that's, that's part of the reason I love visiting there. It's like everyone's so polite. Aww. People can be uh, xenophobic and a little racist sometimes, but they're so polite about it. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's like, that's, that's the Asian way. Like, because I love Asian people so much, because that's been like my thing since I've been like younger, because I've been into K pop since I've been 13, and I was like always watching stuff, but yeah, like. They're not going to be racist straight to your face. They're going to say it like a different language and then just smile on your face. Like, hey, okay. You know, green is green. <laughs> well, not always. Like, we got kicked me, we, we got kicked out of like 10, 15 places on the first trip. Because oh. visible tattoos have criminal connotation. Like, oh. so I was there with my tattoo artist with face and neck tattoos. I didn't cover up. So a bunch of places refused us service, but they were so polite about it. We were like, oh, we, we fucked up. We'll go somewhere else. It's cool. Wow, so like they see your tattoos coming in, they'll be like, no, we can't serve you? We roll it, We rolled into a couple spots. Like uh, One that really sticks out was we were in a spot in Shibuya, which is like a hip artist neighborhood. Like Tower Records is there. There's a lot of tourism that happens there, too. Like There's actually a Tower Records there. The Disney store is there. Like, it's an artist. It's a hot spot in Tokyo. We roll into a restaurant because it advertised outside English menus. The, it's so urbanly dense. Like, we didn't have destinations in mind when we wanted to eat. We'd just roll through them. That place looks cool. Let's roll in there. <laughs> so we're like, that place says they have English menus. Let's go. Let's do it. We roll inside, and 
the server host, whatever, takes one look at us and goes, so sorry, we're closed. So sorry, we're closed. (laughs) So sorry, we're closed. And we're like, oh, our bad. We'll we'll go somewhere else. We'd get out to the street and we're like, it's noon. And there were definitely people eating in there. We just got mind tricked. (laughs) (laughs) She was so sincere and so polite about it. She's like, we're mind tricked. Like, oh. Are bad. <laughs> so if you're so into K-pop, why don't you want to go to Seoul instead of Tokyo? Um, Seoul is actually definitely on the list, but Tokyo like is like it's just been like so first because when I was a little girl, I was like, I'm gonna go to Tokyo. I'm gonna go to Tokyo. I'm gonna go to Tokyo. And I think I think Seoul was initially first on the list. Yeah, because I was traveling. Seoul was the first on the list, but ever since they had like this Sungri situation, and it was called like, I don't know. It was like a different name, but it was like when they got busted down for like this prostitution ring and celebrities. And it was like this, like the president got kicked off. Like Korea was just, <laughs> they just had a whole mess going on. So I didn't even want to bother with going right away. And I see, what was something? Oh, it's also that Korea also, oh, so bans porn. That, that's true too. Because I want my first international trip because I want, you know, to record some films. But I can't do that if I go so. But in Tokyo, I can't. Well, I mean, in Tokyo, they'll have to blur your genitals and shit. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> but I really want to like um, film like with some of the Japanese performers that's over there. Because I know um, two, two girls over there. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So it is. It is the first time. It just seemed like very exciting to go to um, Tokyo first because a lot of like the K-pop concerts they do. Actually, a lot of them come to Tokyo. A lot of them like they don't even stay in. So like they literally come to Tokyo right after Seoul. So it kind of like gives me what I want because I want to experience like that the cherry blossom, like the anime you know manga land that I've been living in since a little kid. And just I gotta warn you, Sakura season is like the most expensive time of the year to go to Tokyo. What, which season? The cherry blossom bloom, Sakura season. Oh, it's the most expensive. Mm-hmm. That is when they get the height of tourism. Look, well, everybody wants to see it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. uh, when we went in 2016, we went like a week after like the official season ended, and there were still plenty of blooms around. But like we found dirt cheap flights, but then like every Airbnb was like outrageous. And then so we wow. pushed it back a week and we're able to find like reasonable Airbnbs. My personal opinion, if you go there, Get the cheapest, smallest Airbnb you can, because there is no reason to ever stay in your room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the the first trip, I burned a bunch of hotel points and I stayed at the Ritz Carlton. Like I was at the fucking mm. Ritz. Oh, the fancy one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, motherfucker starts on the forty fifth floor. And then you was not there. <laughs> I mean, like we, me and my buddy, spent like two nights just chilling in the hotel. At one point, we have like a nine hundred square foot hotel room. Like we'll just chill. <laughs> second trip me and three friends got a room that was so small that only one of us could stand up at a time it was two bunk beds in one room what yeah <laughs> oh my god what and it was the best like the best fucking experience because like there is zero motivation to hang out in the room when it is that fucking small like literally we'd take turns getting out of bed thankfully the toilet and the shower were in two separate rooms so it's like one of us go shower one of us piss like kind of rotate around each other oh my that small wow oh yeah i'll show you a picture of it at some point but like (laughs) it was the best experience because none of us had any any fucking reason to not just like we're going out we're going to see this fucking city oh i really do believe that because you know it's like common thing like you know for like japanese families to all be living in like a one room place yeah this was definitely like some dude is just like oh yeah apartment well airbnb it it's cool (laughs) 
Hey. Like that was <laughs> if for actual living space, like if I was just a one dude living in there, that place would have been tight. Wow. But it was literally two bunk beds with enough space in between the two bunk beds for a, an adult to be in. Like, a, yeah, I could see that. It was <laughs> kind of reminded me of my bedroom when I used to be 13. <laughs> the bedroom was so small. <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I'm sure this is smaller. I'm sure. Okay, it's smaller. And like the little wow. kitchenette was like across, huh. like in the hallway across huh. from the bathroom. So it's like the width of me. Like you step out of the bathroom and like I could touch the the hot plate in the sink from stepping out of the bathroom. Like, that's how tight this place was. That's so small. <laughs> but it, was, <laughs> it was great because it was like 125 a night split four ways. Like, yeah. We spent like no money on fucking housing and Tokyo is a city where it's like, no, you want to be going. Like on average, I was walking like 12 miles a day on like all the shit we were doing. Wow. Yeah, that's true. There's so much to see. You're not going to want to, you're not supposed to be in there. You're supposed to be out in the city. Right, right. <laughs> like, staying at the Ritz. There was definitely two nights where I'm just like, I'm going to just chill. Like, we'll order in. We'll just chill. <laughs> nah, I, I, the second trip was definitely the way to go. Well, I'll we'll remember that. Yeah, stay, stay cheap. Fucking see the city. Like, now, now what I really want to do is do hallucinogens in Tokyo, which I know is probably hey. never going to happen. Oh, how come? Because fucking drugs will get you fucking thrown in prison. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, that, that is true, yeah. Juice ain't worth the squeeze. As magical as it would be to run around Tokyo tripping my balls off. <laughs> like, international prison ain't for Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not going... They're, they're not going, you know, like, for example, you got jail in prison, you know, they'll give you like little white, you know, like, we'll give you two years off. People are like, no, 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 them American, put extra 10 on <laughs> for coming in our country, doing that stuff. They know, like, yeah, they will spite you. <laughs> well, I'm sure anyone who's in Japanese prison would just fuck me up for being there. Like, <laughs> yo, there is no gaijin prison gang. Like, I'm just on my, on my own in another country where I don't even speak the language. <laughs> I don't want to bail you out. <laughs> you ready? Free my man Slayer. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Nope, not. Getting high in another country might be fun, but not worth not worth that. Not worth it. That's how I felt when I was looking up. Like, can I smoke my weed there? But oh, oh no. No. Uh, <laughs> no. One of my guys scored some weed while we were there. So my tattoo artist is friends with some other Japanese tattooers. Pretty much to become a tattooer in Japan, you're a low-level Yakuza guy. That's just how it rolls. Mm. That's how you learn tattooing there because it's still semi-legal at best. One of my guys who was there with us is a horrible stoner. Like, he's just... <laughs> he's the guy, like, in normal circumstances, like, just always stoned. Like, always stoned. <laughs> and he's just like, yo, man, can you guys score me some weed? And they got him a dime bag. And they're like, okay, here's the deal. Do not take the train back to your Airbnb. Take a cab. If you're caught with this, say nothing to the police. Dial this number. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> this is for a fucking dime bag. <laughs> okay, dial this number. <laughs> yeah, like say nothing to the police. Dial this number. Like for a dime? For a fucking dime? <laughs> Y'all on some different drug levels than we are. Uh... <laughs> like I. You know, even back when marijuana was illegal fucking everywhere, I've never had a drug dealer in my life be like, yo, if you get in trouble with the police, dial this number. <laughs> but no, you're on your own. 
you're fu- yeah, you're fucked and you're on your own if you're caught with this shit. Like, no drug dealer in the history of me ever buying drugs in America has ever been like, here's how you need to transport this shit to back to where you're staying. They're like, have a good life. Hope to sell you some more soon. Oh my god, that Yakuza connection. <laughs> oh yeah, like the Yakuza connection was real. They're like, because if you have tattoos, you can't go into the fucking hot springs. Yeah, I heard of that, yeah. The Yakuza guys were like, we got a hot springs you guys can go to if you want. And we're like, Yakuza hot springs might be a problem. Like, this, <laughs> this is one potentially an awesome adventure, but also potentially <laughs> real bad. Real fucking bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh god, that yep. is so funny. I mean, it's just how it is. And then, like, this is the kind of shit that people in America fucking miss out on by going to fucking cruises and fucking resorts in other countries. Right? Yeah. Like, no, you want to be out with the people and experience right. their fucking culture and see what's up. Well, I, I felt like that's like the whole point of traveling for me. Yeah. Exactly. Like my opinion is unless a city is an active war zone, there are people there living and thriving there. Almost anywhere you go in the world, a bad neighborhood looks like a bad neighborhood. If you've seen a bad neighborhood, you know, this is probably not where I want to be. So don't go there. Right? Like, have some fucking common sense. Like, oh, hey, that place looks really fucking sketchy and there's garbage all over the ground. Hmm. Maybe I shouldn't go there. Right? (laughs) But otherwise, like, the only place I've ever had any trouble in all the places I've gone to was in South Africa. I got pickpocketed. You got pickpocketed? Oh my god! What is your adventure stories? <laughs> it's like you accused of gave me so weak, and now you got pickpocketed. What? <laughs> yeah, I got pickpocketed in South Africa. Sorry to the audience who's also heard this story. Like, unfortunately, like I've told these like all this shit happened years ago, so I've told these stories a bunch of times. But I will happily regale you with it again. So I went to Cape Town, South Africa, in 2015. I was there with just one friend. And he decided to call in a night early. I'm like, no, nah, I'm still drinking. Like, I'm I'm still drinking. Like, I end up drinking on this patio with some locals at like three o'clock in the morning. Down there, like the the panhandlers, the guys be- the guys begging for money are hyper aggressive. Like, they're just hyper aggressive, especially if they hear an American accent. Like, we had a dude follow us for blocks at one point, begging for money. Or we had another guy. I was drunk. I rolled into like the South African equivalent of McDonald's at like four o'clock in the morning because it was open. To get burgers, he's like, yo, man, can you buy me a burger? Well, yeah, I'll see what happens. I'm expecting him not to fucking be there when I got back. <laughs> I rolled out. He's like, yo, man, did you give me that burger? I'm like, you know what, man? You want the burger? Here, have a fucking burger. But, like, you know, most homeless people in the States, when you're just like, ah, I'll see you. Like, they're not going to be standing there waiting for you for a fucking burger. Mm-hmm. So I'm on this patio. This dude rolls up to me. And, like, I'm an asshole. I am the asshole here. I am wearing black leather cowboy boots in fucking South Africa. <laughs> No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing black leather fucking hey. cowboy boots in South Africa. You the bad boy. <laughs> this dude rolls up, yo man, nice boots, nice boots. And like he kind of tugs on my pant leg, like to pull up the, the pant leg to show the boots. Like nice boots, man, nice boots. And then like, security comes out like a couple seconds later, scares him off. And and I'm just like, yo man, I got no money for you. I got no money, like because I just thought he was an aggressive panhandler. And the locals are like, oh man, you got to watch out, they'll fucking pickpocket you. Like, that would have been nice to say about 10 seconds ago, guys. <laughs> and I checked my pocket, and, like, this is a before, yeah, it's 2015. There are no, like, good international data plans. 
So what I used to do is I'd buy a mobile Wi-Fi router when I was in other countries and just keep my phone on airplane mode and just connect to the Wi-Fi to use the internet for anything. He got my mobile Wi-Fi. Thankfully, my fucking phone was in the breast pocket of my jacket that I had put on some girl I had just met. <laughs> oh, that girl saved you. <laughs> right, like me, me being kind of drunk and being like, you're kind of cute, but you're cold here. Wear my jacket. <laughs> saved my fucking phone. Dude didn't take my wallet or my passport. So I went and dropped 30 oh. bucks the next day for a new new Wi-Fi. It was like no big deal. Oh, that was a good one. He didn't get your passport. Oh, dude. Oh. Yeah, especially because <laughs> the U.S. Embassy is in fucking Johannesburg, not Cape Town. <laughs> All the places that get stuck yet. <laughs> like, hey, I'm stuck in South Africa. At least my money goes far. <laughs> like, so you got to become a local. <laughs> no. Oh, South Africa. <laughs> South Africa is an interesting place. It's one of those things where like, I'm happy I went. I'm not sure I'll ever go back. You <laughs> experienced it. Right. Well, it's like, it's like the pickpocketing isn't like what turned me off to it. Like there was some wild shit down there. Like there was a panhandler who like roll up just outside of a bar and like set up a limbo pole and set it on fire and like kind of like scooch under it for fucking tips. Wow. <laughs> Make but, it creative. Out oh there. yeah. Shit was, shit was wild. Shit was wild. But like Cape Town's a decent sized city, but it's not like that big of a city. And it was just like it took fucking forever to get there. Like you have to from the states, you have to go to Europe to go to South Africa. You can't just go from the states to South Africa. Wow. So for me, it was like LA to New York, New York to Paris, Paris to Johannesburg, Johannesburg to Cape Town. That's, like, that's a long trip. It was like twenty eight hours to get there. <laughs> Oh, well, that, that, I know you was tired when you got there. Oh, no, I was ready to party. I was just like, fuck it. All day. Let's do it. <laughs> I also, like, I I planned it, like, I can sleep on planes like a motherfucker, so that's no big deal. But I also mm-hmm. planned it, like, we had, I spent a day in New York. I didn't, like, just bounce from plane to plane in New York. I, like, spent a day, day and a half in New York, and then, like, 10 hours in Paris. Okay. So it was, it was like, it was a good trip, but it was still, like, this is a fucking mission to get down here and I wasn't like I would do that kind of mission to go back to Tokyo but I wasn't like that in love with Cape Town to like make a fucking just a day, day and a half out of the world to just get there yeah and when you get there again in Panhandle <laughs> like what? <laughs> but I, there were a lot of cool bars there was a lot of cool shit so besides Tokyo where else do you want to go like enough of my travel stories sorry okay. audience <laughs> um, besides Tokyo and like in Seoul, like I really want to visit like um Paris too, um China, Pacific, like the Mongolia. There's like um like the Gobi Desert. There's something that just fascinates fascinates me about the Gobi Desert that I really want to see. I guess it's like maybe just a story of how people get um lost in there. <laughs> <laughs> we never heard from Barbie again. She just got hey, lost Barbie. in the Gobi Desert. <laughs> I'm like, what's in there? <laughs> see, that's the kind of curious that I'd be like. <laughs> Why would you be disappearing? I'm gonna go see. <laughs> I'm not gonna go in. I, I want to ride a llama, wear my little, you know, my little sand dune cap, go experience it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like I'm living like ancient man right now. Right. So I can travel across the Gobi Desert. Hell yeah. I don't know. That fascinates me so much. <laughs> Anywhere else, or is that it? Uh, or? Oh no, like there's so so many places. Tell me, tell me. Oh yeah. 
Uh, the old one, like I definitely want to go to Australia as well. Like I love going where places that are just tropical areas. And also, oh yeah, Egypt is definitely on the list because I want to go see the pyra- pyramids and the, and the Sphinx. Hell yeah. And so my dog barking down there. So. <laughs> um, where else do I want to go? Like Africa, and there's all in Asia. Oh yeah, there's a lot of that. So it's part of, like a Korea, but it's called Jeju Island. Um, unless you ever heard, but it's like a very popular island that is like right off the, the coast of like Korea. And most like a lot of Koreans go there. It's like this tropical paradise. They kind of like have similar places like like it in Africa. But I specifically want to go to Jeju Island because the waters are like so blue, and they're also known to be good places to go scuba diving. Because also with my boat certification, I'm also the price the process of getting um, my scuba diving certification done too. And when I get finished doing the book part, I'm going to go and start doing dives. And when I own my boat, I can go to certain areas. Because that's also like when I go my boat, like my boat, the sailboat is just my first kind of a boat. I want to get like a powerful motorboat. And then I will be able to like just go to an island to something like so instantly and so quickly and go scuba dive. Because there's a lot of like temples and a lot of lost artifacts that's under the sea that I want to go see for myself and also like take pictures of and experience. You are better than me. I learned the hard way scuba diving is not for Matt. with that <laughs> uh, the audience has probably heard this shit too so like when i when i was in actually in australia i went down to sydney by myself and i'm like i gotta figure out some shit to do besides just be drunk like the whole time i'm there yeah so i'm like i'll do a shark dive like they have a they offered a shark dive at uh, the manly aquarium at that point like it's in the tanks it's not even like open water huh and i'm like i'll do it Oh, yeah, I've heard of that, yeah. Like, I'd never been scuba diving in my life. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm, I know how to swim. Like, no big deal. I was wrong. I was super wrong. <laughs> like, I've had sinus problems my whole fucking life. And I never thought that, like, oh, you got to equalize pressure, like, by, like, blowing and shit like that when you scuba dive. I got under the water, and I'm just like, I can't equalize pressure this is like, and I just started getting in my fucking head and getting oh, really dang. weird about it. I'm just like, nope, nope. I'm like, I'm not a claustrophobic human being. Like, <laughs> I have no problems with small spaces, tight spaces, shit like that. But underwater, like, I'm just like, no, 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 no. I have, I've gone skydiving. Like, I have zero problems with shit like that. I'm like, scuba wow. is just not for me. It is just <laughs> not for me. Like, <laughs> you must have been a bird in your past lives. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't fucking know. It's just like <laughs> I don't like. I don't like. I'm underwater. I'm breathing. I'm like, this is just. Maybe it was the experience. <laughs> he wasn't prepped enough. <laughs> yeah, just my brain, just like nope, no, 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 no. I can't do anything. I'm defenseless. <laughs> no, like, I don't like. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. I don't like this. Like this is not fun. I don't like this. So I went and got day drunk instead. <laughs> they didn't get chance to swim with the sharky. Wait, so you didn't swim with them at all? Nope, nope. <laughs> Never made it out of like the initial tank. <laughs> that's funny. Like, but that's how I first became very inspired to do scuba diving. Um, it's when I lived in Georgia, and I found this aquarium actually had where you could dive and see sharks and stuff. I was like, I'm gonna do that one day. But I guess was when I came over here to Vegas, and I found about how there is this beach area. And I've been very into like learning about like underwater um, artifacts in temples and like lost civilizations. Cause you know, they talk about Atlantis being a lost civilization. And I have like a lot of like 
um, backing and like history on that, that I really want to go see for myself and like see like octopuses and, you know, other sea creatures because they're like, there's so much fun to see that we don't really see most of the time. Oh yeah. And, there's so much like, there's so much more of the surface of the earth is underwater than it is above. Wow. Yeah. That's true. There were more water than land. Yeah. There's just, we don't know what the fuck's down there. Depth, <laughs> we're just like, man, some sea monster. <laughs> what was like oh the crack yeah i was like thinking about what's the one in history they always talk about yeah yeah the, the kraken's down there it's just like okay <laughs> i mean judging how like most goids fucking how old they can get like there's probably some giant fucking monsters down there yeah and those deep deep seas that they didn't have even fully explore yeah like i was like really surprised when i was watching this documentary like yeah there's a lot of stuff in the deep seas that we don't even know about i'm like wow really <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, mm, who knows what's in the Marianas Trench? Who really <laughs> fucking knows? Can't know. Like, we'll never, we may never fucking know. Right. That's <laughs> like, they create, I don't know, some kind of new technology. <laughs> Whatever the hell it be. <laughs> well, I, potentially they could get, like, some camera down there, but the, the, eventually, I, the pressure eventually would be too much even for electronics and shit. Like, I don't know. That's very interesting. Cause that kind of like kind of goes in the same aspect, like with like outer space exploration, and that's why it's too like robots can't go out and even out in certain areas. And the same thing with, with our ocean. Wow, there's so much that's undiscovered that I felt like should be. <laughs> Hell, for all we know, we've discovered more about our solar system than we have about the ocean, really. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's a that's a big thing to say. <laughs> well, think about it. We can at least point telescopes at shit out in the stars. Right. Like, we have no way to measure some of the shit that's at the real depths. We just don't fucking oh. know what's down there. Right. I'm still curious. I'm gonna go see. <laughs> Barbie lost at sea. Like, I'm be asking me like, "Hey, have you seen Barbie recently? She went scuba diving. She just never came back." <laughs> I don't know. A fossil. I found a lost civilization. I don't know. <laughs> Barbie's their queen now. She's like, surface dweller. We worship you. <laughs> just like oh I, I guess i'm queen here all right cool all right <laughs> well the humans they'll be all right <laughs> yeah they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out they'll, 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 figure they'll, out. they'll, they'll figure it out eventually it's no big deal <laughs> have you done any of the scuba diving yet like have you gone diving before Oh, no, I haven't. I'm just, I'm doing the certification. Like, we have to do like, this book study first and pass a lot of stuff. So I'm taking my time and learning because it, it is a lot because I'm doing boat ed too. But I think within a month, when I finish, same round time, like, I'm going to finish my boat ed in a couple of days. But in a, within a month, I should be done with my, my, my book study. And then we're going to start doing the dives and pools. And that don't take long. By you finish those dives and you get certified, you can go in the sea. And they got like little um, scuba diving groups that you can join where people can explore with you. Hell yeah, hell yeah! Like, it, it, there's some. I mean, people get crazy with that shit. Like, people go cave diving, which is just wild to me. Wow, that, that, that really is what it sounds like. So scary, but it also sounds so amazing. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't want to get lost, but I do want to go see. <laughs> if you want to ever hear like a fucking like nerve wracking fucking recount of a fucking cave dive, uh, it's one of the appearances where Donald Cerrone, the MMA fighter was on Joe Rogan talking about, like, almost dying in a cave dive. Wow. And it was just, like, 
I know I'm not there. I know I'm just listening to the story, but like it was so anxiety filled for me. I'm just like, that that sounds like the worst way to die. Wow. Yeah, that, that really is. Like, yeah, that's kind of re- <laughs> it makes those gay. Well, basically the, the quick and dirty for the story is you know, you go cave diving as a team and his partner got turned around and kicked up a bunch of fucking soot. So Donald couldn't tell which way was up. Like he couldn't tell which way was out. Oh yeah. So he's just like slowly running out of air, trying to figure out which way is out. Well, yeah, that's the dangerous part because about the air in the cave that I, cause I was reading a lot about that. It was just like, ah, uh, that, like drowning doesn't sound like any way I want to go anyways, but <laughs> like drowning with zero possibility of like, this has got to be such a hopeless fucking feeling. I, I can just watch meters of this is approximately how much longer I have to live. And they may never find my body. Cool. Yeah. It's like total hopelessness. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I mean, he, he amazingly made it out, but still it's just like, such a gut-wrenching story to hear him retell it, like what he was going through. Right. I wonder if he still scuba dives because. Oh yeah, he does. Enough. He's a crazy person. Wow. <laughs> He's like, I'm just never skate. I'm just never diving with that guy again. <laughs> Unprofessional. <laughs> oh yeah, he's just like he could have gotten me killed by fucking when he fucking panicked. He could have gotten me killed. Like yeah. I don't blame him. I would never fucking put myself in a life or death situation with that dude again. That's a very good. I'm really glad you told me that because that's going to be very important when you choose people to dive with. You can't be <laughs> diving with someone who's going to panic. Yeah, because as much as like we're having fun, we're hanging out, like it's still potentially a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. And the one thing is like in life or death situations, the handful of them I've been in over my life is like if you're an unknown commodity. I am going to hope for the best that, like, you're not going to fuck up here. But if I know you're going to panic and fuck up, I want nothing to do with you. Yeah. Like, I I did, you know, armed security for a number of years. And, like, you'd work with people and, like, if shit goes down, I don't know how this is going to go. But there's a couple people who actually got involved in actual, like, shootouts, robberies. And they did not perform well. And it's just like, I don't want to work with that person. I would rather take this complete unknown then the person I know is going to be a piece of shit if shit goes down. Well, yeah, you kind of like, like I was first like compared to like, to like how the military does stuff, but then it kind of like took me back to like when I used to be, when I used to do nursing. So when I was in college, I used to, I used to be a nurse. Um, I had like my certification and I was getting my bachelor's, but I used to feel that way because we used to have emergencies as being nursing because, you know, somebody's dying, someone needs this. And it, it was really important for nurses to be able to not enter that, placing your mind where you panic and fear like you feel it but you have to use it to be like what do i need to do next right. what is going to happen here to, to stop this but some people go like i don't know where to go i don't know where to go and we're like i really do feel that i used to hate that <laughs> their, their training goes right out their mind and like that's why you got to drill stuff and do it over and over again so when it is high stress it just is a reaction not something you have to consciously think about yeah like it's very important so what made you get out of nursing? Um, what came out of nursing, it was a very stressful um, job. I think probably like towards the ending of it because I was working in a nursing home because I had to do my clinicals there. And, you know, I saw a lot of patients die. <laughs> 
you know, to pass on, like, you know, somebody that I love, then, you know, find out, you know, they're not there anymore. And you have to take the time to process it. And you have, you know, you know, you go on to the next patient. And I always felt like I didn't really have the place where to really process it. But that's part of being a nurse. That's what we're talking about. You have to be able to not be swept in your emotions. You have to be able to feel them and then use that emotion to make you focus. So when I was always doing nursing, it was very tasking, like on studies and stuff, which I didn't mind because I was a very quick learner, but you still have to learn a lot because there's so, so much about the bodies, the symptoms, knowing which interacts with what. You got patients, you got time sheets, like you always got to update your clinicals and your trainings, your CPR. <laughs> like it's, it's a whole, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole motherhood. <laughs> and I think I was, I was going after the bachelors. And at that point, I was just like wondering, like, if this was what I really wanted to do. Like, I want to be and help civilization to help people because that's always been my biggest goal is like, how do I help society? How do I help contribute to our place to make this place a better place? Because I've seen so much pain. I see so much illness and I want to be part of the solution to our world to help prevent those things. So nursing naturally sung to me like when I went into college. But eventually I saw a lot of nurses, too, that did not mean what they wanted to do. Maybe that was just my environment because there's a lot of nurses that they they abuse patients. And it's a very common thing that's not really discussed as much as it should be in the nursing world. But there's a lot of nurses that do abuse patients. It doesn't have, like, some do hit them. Some of them do not do what they need to do for their trainings. There's a lot of heartless nurses, too. Maybe I was too empathetic for that. My emotions got in the way. And that took a really big part of me to admit to that and because I had a lot of stuff going on in my life as well. So I had to decide, like, is nursing really meant for me? Is it really meant sacrificing me just to do something for other people? And I came to understand, like, I took time to go off, and that's where I started camming. And I had two years of school, and I still really loved it. But it's just I felt like it was no longer for me because I was sacrificing too much just to have it. And my teachers were always talking about how they're being underpaid. <laughs> Nursing is like the one of the hardest job and the most underpaid job, which is sad, but true. <laughs> but always the biggest thing is that you can, you know, become a specialized nurse or you can become a doctor. But are you really going to get to that eight, 10 year degree by then? Because a lot of stuff does happen. And for me, it did. And yeah, the trade off wasn't no longer worth it. But it doesn't mean I threw away my knowledge. Like I'm actually... I'm going to like becoming a counselor and using like that aspect of psychology and health and mental health place to help people with counseling for their mental health problems. I particularly want to be a youth counselor that helps um, youth and young adolescents because that is where we need to be at in our society. Like grown people going to do what they're going to do. Children, the adults going to take care of it. So the people that we need to help is I personally feel because when I was 13, I was like, why is there no one here to help me? Why is there no one here to guide me? And you're from like 13 to 18, you're going through all these struggles. You're going through all these conflicts. And we're so we're so creative. We're so free at 13. But by the time we're 18, what happens? We're stressed and we lose ourselves and we no longer who we are. And that's what I want to help those people that I can in my life to feel like you can be someone that you want to be. You don't have to be this set way because you felt something bad happened to you and no one was there for you. So you're 18 and now you're adult going in the workforce and you never worked through none of those things. You never had nobody to help you that. And that's why, you know, while we talk about how everybody's in this fixed constitute 
and not expanding and not growing because they didn't get that done to them at 13 when they first became themselves. Well, Nobody knows who they are. Yeah. And a lot of the times people have kids and really have no business having kids. That That is the biggest part. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you can barely keep your car on the road and barely feed yourself. And you're going to bring a life into this world? Cool. I mean, there's a reason I don't want children. Because I am that <laughs> guy. I, I barely keep myself alive. I don't really want to be responsible right. for keeping someone else alive. Let alone, like, making them a well-adjusted human being. That but, is the biggest problem, that we all have children too soon. It's not an issue, it's like always 13. You could be 35 and you still too soon or just not at all. Because you haven't poured into yourself first. How can you provide something to someone else when you don't have it? Oh, yeah. Uh, and the problem is, like, I get two or three generations back when, like, you got to have nine kids because they're not all going to fucking make it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Like, you're going to have a massive family because a bunch of them ain't going to fucking make it. And you need them to, like, help support your family unit. Like, you're going to have a bunch of kids. They're going to work the whatever your family business is or help support. And then, like, that tradition just kept rolling on. Like, you know, my grandparents always would be like, so when are you going to settle down and have kids? When are you going to settle down and have kids? When are you going to settle down and have kids? Like, grandma, grandpa, have you met me? Do you really think I need to have children? Yeah. No, I don't need to have kids. But that is still instilled in so many fucking people. Like, oh, no, no. Your biggest responsibility in life is to have more fucking people. It's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Like, your biggest responsibility is live life for you. Don't hurt anybody else while you're doing it, but live life for you. And that's the thing. Yeah. Like, you may actively be hurting someone else by bringing someone else into this world. Like, heaven forbid you have a child with a partner who you two had no business being to fucking gather. Yeah. Now, you two are linked for fucking life. You can't walk away from that person. Like, if we were just dating and you made, if we made each other miserable, I could just fucking leave. We could just leave and never see each other again. Once right. there's a kid involved, if you're a remotely responsible human being, you're stuck with that person for fucking ever. Right. And then all of your fucking dramas are now played out in front of that fucking kid. Then that kid sees it and then go mimics it. Yeah. Because, yep. wow, powerful. How you saw that. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. I mean, it's just, sorry, folks. Comedy show. <laughs> We're supposed to be hey. laughing and being silly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really do envy the fact that, like, at 23, you're like, no, 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 I got to pursue my happiness. That's where I really feel because I feel like all my life I've been given, like, kind of goes with nursing, too. But not just nursing, like, because I was always that innocent, young, A student girl, too, in school, who was always expected to please others. This product, you know, stems from my mother and my father. And then being, you know, in class and being in workplaces where, oh, you're a nice girl, then you should be contributing to other people than yourself. And it took me for a long time to understand, like, what development of myself could be because I'm young and I'm developing who I am, who I want to be and who, what I want to create and what I want to experience. And then all these other people come in and say, I want you to create this for me. I want you to experience this for me. I want you to do this for me. And I did it because I thought I felt happy because you know, like, oh, you know, this person wants me, you know, to be with them. Like, no, no, they don't. <laughs> they don't want to use you. They want you to make them happy 
and you haven't even made yourself happy yet. And I was going, well, finally, like, it was really the pandemic. It made me, like, really go inside. And because I was so alone, like, why am I so alone? Why am I faced with these problems that I never saw before? Because I was, I was distracted going out working, going out being with friends, out doing this. And it made me look within myself if I see that the environment, the path that I created, it's not making me happy right now. It's always like, it'll make me happy one day. It'll make me happy one day in the future, maybe five years, 10 years when I have children. No, I should be happy right now. Why, why am I waiting? I agree. Who am I? <laughs> I agree because look, this, if this pandemic has not taught anyone anything, it should tell you the future is not fucking promised. There are a bunch of people that are no longer with us that had five-year fucking plans and had the mistake of getting in contact with someone else who had COVID and had either are dead or have had their lives fucking wildly altered. The universe doesn't give a fuck about your plans. Yeah. And that's, that's so exactly the universe doesn't give a fuck about your plans because that's what I started seeing. Like I will see other people. Now I'm looking outside, looking at other people. I feel like they moving on in their lives. And here I am still here. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you know, couple months, I'm still here. <laughs> and I was like, I need to make a change. And I need to be responsible for that change. I have to be responsible for how I got here. Stop pointing fingers. They did this. They did this. I got caught. No, 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 no. Starts with me. <laughs> and it took for me to make a change with me, within me, for me, to no longer look at things that I felt were big and fabulous that could take me to these places. No, I got to take me. I can't, I got to stop looking at things to take me. And that's what it came to. Like, how do I get this now? What might I got to do this now? How do I get this now? I'm like, oh, get a sailboat, go live on it, get this cash, go buy it, go travel, go see it, go experience, go have food, bring your dog, go share pictures, go share it with the world. And I was like, just that easy. But you have to be willing to let this stuff go. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I am utterly impressed that you're like, you got this down at 23. Like I am so impressed. Like I'm 40. Like I, I'm old. Like I, it, at 23, all I gave a fuck about was having a good time and making sure I was working enough to pay for that good time. All I give a fuck about at 23. I'm, I'm utterly impressed that you're like, no, no, no. I'm going to be fucking happy and I'm going to do what I got to do to make myself happy. Like that is so fucking impressive, Barbie. We appreciate that. Yeah. Like your average 23 year old can't see past their fucking nose. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Oh, the good times will last forever. It's fine. Like I'll be, I'll be 23 forever, baby. <laughs> yeah. It's really just fucking impressive. You're coming out with a book soon too, right? Right. Oh, yeah, I was literally just, my mind was going that way, too, because, like, that, I feel like that's really what helped influence my mind to be where it is today, because I started writing it at the age of 13, and I was writing, you know, these romance novel novels and fantasy, and all of them branch out. I consider a lot of them to be trash, because I have more, I have more than eight books, but I probably have, like, 20, but... <laughs> I mean, that's how, like, all creatives work. Like, one, we're all our own worst critics, but two, you don't no one fucking produces like their top tier content <laughs> on the first fucking try. That's so true. <laughs> my my citizen used to be so choppy. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, 
one page, like this is a book. So eventually like I got, I put my emotions into like all my writings and stuff. So like I became very erotic as I was, as I was like aging and I was forced to be a virgin girl because of my mom. <laughs> well, was your like, mom the, kicking boys out of the house? Like <laughs> she, she was really like, you know, one of those controlling parents, like bring me your phone. You're, you're not going this, you're here calling you every minute. You can't go anywhere. If boys are there, you know, you can't go. Is there a girl there? Is there a woman there? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> See what happens now, mom? See? If you've been a little less controlling. Hey, that, that's just so true. It went somewhere else. <laughs> yep. You're going to want to have those life experiences anyway, so here we are. Right. But about the book, tell me more about the book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, I have eight books that I have, like, finalized on, and four of them are long, very long books, and those are the ones I have a donation fund open up, open on to get them edited, because they will need editing, and, like, they're as long as, like, the Twilight novel books. I think it's, like, my longest book is, like, 256,000 words, hmm. and, yeah, I spent a whole year dedicated to writing that book. It was like all my books are like a very erotic, have deep plot line with characters. And there's a lot of, I always have a moral in my stories that you can learn because I process a lot of my emotions, sadness, happiness, horniness, and excitement into these books as like my life because I didn't, I didn't feel like I had one of my own. I was just, my other life was being studying, nothing but studying. So in here in this world, I could come in and create whatever I want. And they used to be online, they used to be like fanfics I would write for my fans. And I could, I became confident from writing because I was gaining subscribers like left and right. And actually I plan to go back on there to publish my book on there too. So they can buy it because I had like 20,000 subscribers. Like, and they were all like subscribing to my books and stuff. Like that website was was amazing (laughs) because I became very popular on that website. (laughs) And then there's this writer. (laughs) Maybe for OnlyFans content, you know, have uh, bedtime stories for some of your you know, fans. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about doing the audios. Yes. Well, no, just like oh sit there like a full OnlyFans video, like, you know, wear something skimpy and then read them stories. Hey. Let me put you to bed. Oh my God. That's genius. <laughs> the reading like the book, like buy my book. Hey. Yeah. Buy my book. <laughs> I'm going to read you a chapter now, right before you go to bed. Oh my God. Totally doing that. <laughs> You're welcome to the idea. Hey, <laughs> snatched. <laughs> But yes, um, I'm most I'm like yeah, a lot of my books are like based on like the very deep erotic stories, and I'm going to release one on Amazon because I got it edited a long time ago um, when I was putting it in a contest, and one of my fans, she was an editor and she edited it for me for free. Nice. So this is perfect for me to put that one on the Amazon Kindle so people can start reading and seeing the style of my writing. And I'm going to start pulling out like my short story. I'm going to get those edited because they won't cost much because they're like much shorter. But I consider it to be like the little thin, you know, like, you know, novels that are kind of like this thin. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's still pretty long. But <laughs> I consider it to be shorts when they're like that size, like that thickness. But, um, yeah, um, starting next week, I'm going to get them edited. And they'll be on Amazon very soon. And I'll publish those. But what I'm really excited for is my big novels because those are the ones I spent years writing on. I spent so much, like I would read those chapters and they'll probably be like 10,000 words. And if I don't like it, I would delete it and start over. That's how thorough I was about my writing. It wasn't even about the words anymore. It was about 
the, the message, the energy, the feel of it, because I was very erotic because, you know, I did <laughs> masturbate. <laughs> oh, my God. Barbie Crystal, you've masturbated? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. My mind is blown. Next, <laughs> next you're going to tell me you're not a virgin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you've had sex before? Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you going to tell me that it was filmed once or twice? <laughs> that it is just come out, but that's what I kind of had in my books, too. And that's what my writers love so much. It was so fascinating to write a chapter and they'd be like, oh, my God, I cry. Oh, my God, what happened to such and such? Like, I was being like a little devil. And I'm like, okay, they're going to cry this time in this book. Like, okay, I got y'all. <laughs> because they'd be talking about, I think this happened. I'm like, don't completely make that not happen. <laughs> Playing with the expectations? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> but with that, I became a better book writer. And it showed. Because when I was in school, I started having like all A's in my writing class. I was starting to win writing contests, too. And... I, I'm just so excited. I guess the one book that is that's the longest book is called Erotic Controversy. And I'm gonna keep that same, I'm gonna keep the same names of all of them because they're just so perfect. But it's kind of based on like what women would like specifically targeted. Like a lot of them, some of my books are like based on like more like celebrity chasing because that was the fanfic style. I just had to reword it for certain ways to make it seem not copyrightish. <laughs> and that's just like the names of the characters and like music because I think two of them are based on like music based um characters but I transformed because I didn't want to make it so like fan girlish I wanted to make it somewhere mature women could um relate to these books too and not just young girls and I feel like that's going to be a very big honest that young girls and mature women will both enjoy these books because they both favorite it and wrote it, written back in their story in their timeline that you can experience like like a lot of women they love dark stuff <laughs> like hardcore oh, yeah. sex oh, dark stuff <laughs> hell how many women are into like true crime like, <laughs> oh my god you're so right <laughs> so i always felt weird like mentioning it <laughs> but it's kind of like the 50 shades of gray basis i remember i was like so passionate when i was writing my book during the same period 50 shades came out i was like this book this book 50 shades week but <laughs> well 50 shades started off as fan as twilight fanfic um, that, yep, that is true. I totally forgot about that, but yeah, Twilight was the real book. Yeah, that, that book was amazing. <laughs> like, she really inspired me the way she wrote her book. And that's probably what inspired me to write long-ass books, too. Hell yeah. I mean, I've never, I've never read them. I <laughs> don't think I've even seen the movies. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, they made a lot of money, so they got, they have to appeal to somebody. Right. But that's what excites me to see, like, the success that she had with Twilight, because they, they were no, such such base on like for the young audience, but also mature women started liking it too because of the book and the way how it was written so intimate. Mature women love intimacy. Young girls love excitement and just cuteness, you know? <laughs> so do you think if you end up like selling a lot of books, you're gonna stop doing sex work, get out of the adult biz, like just stay an author, or you gonna continue to do both? To me, like, I guess, like, I always thought about this because I consider, like, kind of, like, leaving sex work, but it's not, like, relieving. It's, like, going to a different part of sex work. But I want to go more into an erotic film. So you can, it's not the same as porn. It's not the same as, like, um, OnlyFans or videos. Erotic films, it's more like making movies that have a plot and a theory, and it does include 
sex scenes. You know, a lot of erotic films, they don't really show too much. But I want to show it. I want to like really combine what I've seen in the porn industry and in the erotic film industry that you can have both. You can satisfy that fan with the plot, with the film, with the thought, with the characters and with the sex. And I feel like that's what women want more in porn than anything else. They're looking for that story. They're looking for that emotion. They're looking for that intimacy. And porn only gives you the wang bag, wake away, wake away. <laughs> well, I, I think that is partially just because of how the changes in the porn industry have happened over the last 10 years. You know, when I got in, physical media was king. People were still buying DVDs. Companies like Wicked, Digital Playground, Vivid were making movies that had full stories, like mm-hmm. had plots, had stories, had some budget to them. As consumption of porn has come more to tube sites and internet sites where people are just viewing a scene, popping their load and going about their day. Right. And they're not. Because, the flow. Yeah. Back in the day, you would pay like $50, $60 for a single fucking porn DVD. Damn. <laughs> yeah. For a, like a mainstream, like big budget, big studio pick. $50, yeah. $60 for a DVD. So oh, that's like a video game. <laughs> right. So you could afford like they can afford to do big budget films. And also when someone's paying 50, 60 bucks mm-hmm. and internet porn is not as readily available, you got to give them a reason to spend that money now because people are not paying for it. They're just like, we're just cutting it down right to what people are really here for the sex. Interesting. And if you were doing it as a passion product project, I'm yeah. sure you could, bring back things that with big plots and shit like that with some budget. But there's a reason that these companies have gone away from it. It's just not as profitable. Yeah. Well, and that's what it is for me. I want it to be a passion. I'm tired of doing stuff where I'm just like, I'm just doing it for someone else. Like it's kind of like the same aspect, like why I'm trying to do it for me now. Like I want to watch my video and feel like this is amazing. This is a bomb. This is a piece of work. There was so much thought put into this. And I can bust a nut right now. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Barbie, did you just admit you watched your own porn to get off? <laughs> Recently, I really have because I've been quite satisfied. But <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with it. Like, I'm not here to judge. I'm just, hey. most people don't admit they're like, oh, yeah, I jerk off to myself. <laughs> At first, I felt it was such an awkward thing because that's been like a part of my healing that I've been doing. It's learning how to enjoy my own body and be okay with it. Like people try to like put like being of, of self is selfish, or it's being obstinate, or it's being uh, like cocky. I'm like, why can't I love myself as much? I would let's love someone else. So that's why I've been like specifically like directing at myself like on purpose. So I can love myself more. I can love waking up in the morning and be like, oh, I look so good. I want to film this. Like, cause you know, that's an excitement thing. But eventually, like when you become a worker, a sex worker, it doesn't become exciting. It's like, oh, I gotta go do this and do it, that. It's like any <laughs> other job. It's work. Yeah, it's work. I want it to be fun. I want it to be a project. Yeah. I just want to show the world. Like I really, really don't care about their opinions. I just want to do the, my own greatest form of work. And show it to them. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And I hope you can. I really hope you fucking can. From your boat. I, I can't right? wait for your whole series of boat porn, too. 
Wait, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. That is idea, like drive it out really far and then go out the boat. <laughs> oh, dude, you could call the whole series the motion of the ocean. <laughs> oh my god, that's that is genius. <laughs> oh, Barbie Crystal's motion of the ocean. Oh. Motion of the ocean. I gotta write that down. <laughs> Don't worry, we're recording this. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to go back and watch yourself again. Right? Okay. <laughs> But on that note, we have been at this for like two hours, Barbie. I'm going to call last call on this motherfucker. We're going to get you out of okay. here. All right. But before we roll, where can they find you on all the things? You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at BarbieCrystal98. I have OnlyFans also. Feel free to follow OnlyFans.com slash BarbieCrystal. And I enjoy making porn. I write books. I like to dance. I like to promote well-being and love. Hell yeah. And also come check Barbie out most Fridays on the Suede Vegas stream <laughs> on my <laughs> Twitch channel. And as always, you can find me at Matt underscore Slayer on Twitter, Matt Slayer on Instagram, Matt F and Slayer on Facebook, twitch.tv slash Matt F and Slayer. You can find the podcast at, and now we drink on Twitter, and now we drink underscore on Instagram. And until next week, drink up, motherfuckers. Hey. <laughs>